Good morning. I'm Micah. Please stand for the reading of the word. This is Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opening and like and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And a voice came out of the heavens, You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. Immediately the Spirit impelled him to go out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is the word of the Lord. All right, you guys have a seat. Wow, that was crazy. Wow. Sheesh. Man. Somebody come pray over this thing. Um, that was crazy. Tape. We'll get it. It'll be fine. It's all good. Hey, man, that was seriously though. That was an, an incredible time of um, man, just worship and prayer um, before the Lord. Thank y'all for. Uh, man, just doing that with us as a church, I love, it is, it is a blessing of my heart to just be able to even come over here and just kind of look at the people, and I'm just praying for you guys too, and just seeing what God's doing in and amongst us, and I know what he's doing in so many of your families and personal lives, and um, just the way that he's at work, so man, God is good. Let's pray to him, and then let's just dive right in, all right? Lord, thank you so much for your goodness, and uh, we ask you to speak to us today, right now, in your word and through your word. Show us uh, what your kingdom is and how we are called to be kingdom workers, kingdom builders, um, your presence and your power in this world through us by your spirit and lead us out of this place uh, to go and to be the hands and feet of Jesus in all that we do. In his name we pray. Amen. Very short and simple message today. Uh, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, we've been in this Go Missions Month series, just, man, looking at what it means to be the church, to go out of these doors, and to understand that, y'all, this right here, this is where we gather on Sundays, but this is not the church, this building, right? We are the church, and wherever we go, the kingdom of God goes, okay? And that's really the message for today, is that the kingdom of God goes where we go. That's, that's Jesus's plan for this earth. That's how he has designed it to be. And so here's what I want to do really quickly. I'm going to walk us through redemptive history. I'm going to walk us through the entire Bible in 10 minutes. Is that cool? Um, can we do that real fast? I know that's, you know, not, not a common thing to do, but um, what I want to look at is the, what we call redemptive history, just the story, God's story, the story. And what I want you to kind of be um, encouraged with this morning, maybe if anything, I want you to leave here um, just sort of being stirred up in your spirit to know and to understand that you and I, we, the church, we are the plan of God to continue his redemption in this world. That's why we have been put here. That's, that's why the church is who we are. And so that you would kind of see yourself and see us together as a part of God's story. And the current chapter that the story of God, the redemptive history of God is in, it involves us, right? And, and for us to go. Today we're really looking at um, sort of the global mission of God in this world um, and the kingdom of God that he is building in this world. So I'm going to walk us through the six stages of redemptive history. Okay, if you're taking notes, you can just kind of put that as a heading. Six stages of redemptive history. All right, and it starts right here. Number one, creation. 
Everybody say creation, creation. I'm not going to read all of these scriptures, but you're going to see them up on the screen. You're going to see the, the, the title, the bold title there, and then you're going to have a, just one verse that kind of goes with each of these headings, okay? So creation, we open up our Bibles. We see from the very beginning what happens. God creates the heavens and the earth. We see creation, Genesis 1 and 2, where God starts all this off. And then part two comes pretty quickly. Chapter three, we get to the fall. Right, so after creation, everything's perfect. God makes man and woman. He makes the garden. He makes everything in the earth, all the animals, everything, all the universe. And then he has this man and this woman in the garden. And pretty quickly in chapter three, we see them fall, what we call the fall. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. And she gave to Adam and he ate it. And instantly their eyes were open. They knew that they were naked and they felt shame and they ran and they hid from God. So this perfect creation that God had established, right? And quickly broken three chapters into the whole story, right? Hundreds of chapters in the Bible. We only get three in uh, before we really, as human beings, mess it all up. And then we got act three and it's promise. Okay, everybody say promise. Now, this is a big bulk of the Old Testament, okay? Really, we got creation and fall. They happen pretty quickly early on. And then we have promise. Isaiah 48 says this, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. That God makes promises to his people throughout Old Testament history, leading up to the fulfillment of those promises and what we're going to see in a second in the person of Jesus. Now, some of these promises are unconditional promises, right? Some of God's promises to his people are completely unconditional. Um, he makes a promise to Eve. After the fall, he makes a promise to Eve that her offspring would crush the head of the serpent of Satan, right? He makes a promise to her. Not, listen, not the offspring of Adam, but the offspring of Eve. That's who he promises it to. Jesus is born of a woman, not a man, right? She is a virgin. So he makes that promise to Eve, right? So there's one promise. That's an unconditional promise. He makes a promise to Abraham, Genesis 12, 3, that through his offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, okay? That is a promise he makes to Abraham. That's unconditional. It has no conditions upon what else happens in human history, okay? He makes a promise to King David that his throne would be established forever and ever and ever. That's 2 Samuel 7, 16, that God promises King David, your, your, your throne will never end, I will establish it forever in my name, in your kingdom forever. And I want you to hear that word kingdom because we're going to come back to that in just a second. That God's kingdom is a main uh, theme throughout redemptive history. But then he also makes a conditional promise uh, to the man Moses that Israel would be a holy nation unto him. Now, if, here's the condition, if they would follow him, if they would keep his commands, he would continue to bless them. He would continue to be with them. If they would remain devoted to him that he would be their God and he and they would be his people. They would be God's treasured possession. That's Exodus 19, five and six, right? So that, that promise had some conditions to it. And now we move throughout redemptive history as we go through the Old Testament and we see like really from, from Genesis and we go on to like Chronicles and Samuel and all those books. Then we see the prophetic books and we see the writing Psalms and Proverbs and all those kind of books in the Old Testament. What we have is God working out redemptive history through his people, the Jews, the Israelites. Now, they don't always get it right. If you read through the Old Testament, you're going to see many times, and you'll probably see yourself in that story, that, man, they just mess it up. They don't always listen to God. They don't always follow his commands. And so the Old Testament really ends with um, them really having screwed things up. And so God sends in some foreign nations to come and take them captive and lead them out of the promised land. And then eventually some of them get to come back. They rebuild Jerusalem a little bit. Um, and then we move on towards the New Testament and the fourth act. And the fourth act, I just want to label it, Christ. So Jesus comes into the story. And I want to read from um, 
the book of Hebrews to kind of get a, 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 one kind of good verse to encapsulate Jesus' story. This is Hebrews 9, 15. It says, for this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. We're talking about new promises, new day, new covenant. Okay, so the old covenant has passed away. The new covenant has come in the person of Jesus. It says, Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Right, so uh, what, what he's basically saying is Jesus now has accomplished all that the old covenant, all that all those promises, the promises God made to Eve, right, that one of her children would come and crush the head of the serpent, the promises he made to Abraham, that one of his descendants would bless all the nations on earth, the promises he made to Moses, that if they would keep his commandments, they would be his people. Well, the Israelites couldn't keep his commandments, but who did keep his commandments perfectly? Jesus, right? So Jesus comes and fulfills that and the promise he made to David, that one of his descendants would be an heir on the throne and, and, and reign and rule in the kingdom of God forever. And this was Jesus. Jesus fulfills and establishes all the promises of God. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says that every promise of God finds its yes and amen in Jesus, right? That Jesus fulfills all of that. And then Jesus dies. Jesus returns back to life. He stays on the earth for about 40 more days, hangs out with his disciples, shows himself to up to 500 people alive, and then he ascends back to heaven. But before he goes back to heaven, what does he do? He establishes the next act of, of redemptive history, the church. And the church comes in. I want to read us Matthew 28. We've been reading this one kind of throughout this uh, this series a little bit, Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Jesus says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So to the church, he says, therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then in Acts chapter 2, we kind of see the, the fulfillment of that and the opening of this new act. This is really where, if you want to know, where does the, the fifth act of redemptive history actually begin? It's Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. So here's what happens in Acts chapter 2. If I can get there. Acts chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 17. It says this, In the last days, God says, what? I will pour out my, what? Spirit on all people. He's talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And we see this in the apostles when the Holy Spirit finally comes to them. And throughout the book of Acts, we see the Holy Spirit coming to all these different groups of people as the gospel is preached to them. He says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And then verse 21, it says this, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Right? This is the church act of redemptive history. And then there's one final act. There's one final act, and it's called new creation. Everybody say new creation. New creation. New creation happens in Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. That is the six acts of redemptive history. Now, here's the question. Which act are we currently in? <laughs> You're like, church? I guess, I mean, we're, yeah, we're not in like the, the Abraham promise act, right? Um, we're not to new creation yet, but we are in the act five, right? Act five, the, the church. We are in that act still. Jesus, or uh, the, the prophecy happened from the book of Joel in Acts chapter two, that when the apostles received the Holy Spirit and began to start the church and preach the gospel, what did it say? In these last days, that's what it says. So we're in those days, 
That's where we are in redemptive history, the last days. The last days have been here for 2,000 years. People wonder that sometimes. Are we in the end times? Yes, they started 2,000 years ago, and they're still going. As long as the church exists before Jesus, before Jesus returns, the end times are here. The last days are here, and that's where we now live. We, church, are the church. We are part of this story. We are in this story. And what I really want you to hear this morning is this story that I just shared with you guys in six acts of human history, this is the story. There, there really is no other story. All the other stories that exist around us are sort of just subplots of the great story of redemptive history. God bringing people back to himself, right? And he did it in the Old Testament through all these promises. And then he did it in Christ. And then Christ is doing it now through the church, through us. And it is our job to keep the story going. And really, Jesus is keeping the story going through us. And now, I want you to hear throughout redemptive history that there are two common themes, two common themes. Now, there's, there's probably more themes I think we could hit on, but I really want to mention and lift up two common things. And those two themes are kingdom and presence, kingdom and presence, the kingdom of God and the presence of God. We see these two things all throughout the Bible, that the kingdom of God is established. Now, when he creates all things, what is he doing? He's establishing his kingdom, right? He, he makes all things and he creates, uh, he creates people in his own what? image. This is what kings do. Kings put images of themselves all over the earth. Why does he tell Adam and Eve? Multiply and spread throughout the earth because he's setting up his kingdom. And then they fall, they sin, and that kingdom is kind of broken, right? His rule and his reign, even though he's still king, he's still God, he still controls all things, people have rebelled against his kingdom, right? And then he makes these promises that I'm going to establish it again. And then he sends Jesus to establish that kingdom. And now Jesus sends us to do what? To advance that kingdom. This is all throughout the Bible. But the other side of that was presence, right? So we have kingdom and we have presence. And I want to kind of ask this question this morning. How are the kingdom of God and the presence of God connected? How are those two things related? Kingdom of God and presence of God. Here's how they're connected. Here's how they're related. The kingdom of God grows where the presence of God goes. The kingdom of God grows where the presence of God goes. We see this in the Old Testament. Where do we see it in the Old Testament? The people of God come out of Egypt. What does God do? He goes with them, right, to establish a new kingdom, doesn't he? He, he goes with them in fire and in cloud, and then he dwells with them in the tabernacle, and then he puts his presence on the Ark of the Covenant. And then the Ark of the Covenant ends up where? In Jerusalem. And that's where the kingdom of God is established in the Old Testament. It was all about Jerusalem. Everybody had to come to Jerusalem. But then Jesus comes, right? Jesus is the presence of God. And what is he doing? Uh, Micah read it. Jesus came to preach the kingdom of God. His presence has come and his kingdom has come, right? And then Jesus dies. He rises again. He says, all authority is mine, kingdom. And he says, now go in the Holy Spirit. What does that mean for us, church? What does that mean for us that the kingdom of God grows where the presence of God goes? It means that we now today inhabit the presence of God by the Holy Spirit living in us. And so the kingdom of God goes where we go. The kingdom goes where we go. We are God's presence in this world. That's who we are. That's what the Holy Spirit is in us, the presence of God, God with us. That's the story of all the redemptive history, God with us. Now he lives in us. And so, listen, think about this. Think about the Lord's prayer. How does it begin? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Think about that prayer. When Jesus taught us to pray that, your kingdom come, what are we praying if this is true, that his kingdom grows where his presence goes? 
If we want his kingdom to come, what is that really, what are we really asking God to do? We're asking God to send us. God, if we want your kingdom to come, that means you gotta send us out. That's where God's kingdom comes, wherever he sends us, wherever we go. And so when you pray that prayer, be careful. Don't just pray your kingdom come thinking that's what God is doing apart from me, apart from us. When you pray your kingdom come, your will be done, you're praying, God, send me out. That's what I want. I want you to send me, use me however you will to go wherever you will. Church, God is building his kingdom on this earth. He's doing it right now. He's been doing it since he created it all in the beginning, bringing people back to himself after the fall. And now he's established his kingdom in Jesus and he's expanding his kingdom through us. You can think of it this way. Jesus inaugurated the kingdom. Right now we are expanding the kingdom. And in the end when he returns, he will consummate the kingdom. He will complete it forever and it will be done. Right? But until then, it's our job to let it be growing through us as we go wherever he sends us. So I want us to actually look at a couple graphics here today as we talk about sort of a global mission mindset. Um, because, man, I want us as a church to just be mindful of this big, huge kingdom that God is building in this world. Here are all, here's a, just a quick graph of all the people groups in the world. There are 17,000 total people groups. Those are people groups, okay, in the world, 17,432 of the, of the unreached people, that is people who have never heard the name of Jesus. That's the red. There are 7,000 people groups on earth who have never heard the name of Jesus. That is 42.5% of the entire world's population. Then we have a map here that I want you to see. And I want you to see where these people live. The red are people groups that we have found in the world who currently have never been reached with the gospel who have never heard of the kingdom of God, who have never heard the name of Jesus. A lot in that 1040 window, right? Northern Africa, Middle East, uh, India. But I actually want you to, I mean, look, all over Asia, even South America, even America, USA, there are groups of people, a lot of like Appalachia or um, Native American, you know, play, I've been out on Native American Indian reservations where, man, it's just places where people do not know Jesus. They never even heard of Jesus, right? There's people, the point is, there's people right near us and there's people all over the globe that have yet to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. This is what we are going after, y'all. This is what the church is here on the earth to change, right? Now, praise God, there's so much green, right? That's incredible. That is absolutely amazing. But there's still a lot of red, 42% of the population of the world. We think our job is done sometimes, right? We think it's, we think it's happened. And also, by the way, a quick note. Um, I, I think this graph was from like 2018. So things, had, you know, they kind of fluctuate over time. But I'll tell you this, where the church is really growing, it's really Southern Africa and even a lot in the Middle East. Did y'all know Africa has sent more missionaries to America recently than we've sent there? Did y'all know that? Africa's starting to see, oh, those USA people, they need Jesus, right? Praise God they're doing that because we think we're the saviors of the world and we're not. Jesus is, but we are the church, and so the point is, guys, globally or locally, there are people who need Jesus. And it is our job to be the hands and feet of Christ and to go and to lift up the name of Jesus Christ and the kingdom that he is building. 
So I want us to see we have some global missions partners. Last week we looked at our local missions partners. These are global missions partners. Um, Mission Caribe Honduras. We actually have a Honduras mission trip coming up this July. If you want to be part of that out here in the atrium, Miss Jenny and Miss Cheryl are going to be out here. Just look for them. Go out there and shout. Jenny and Cheryl, you know, if you don't know who they are, um, they'll find you. They'd love to talk to you about our Mission Caribe Honduras trip. Um, we have India mission partners. We can't actually put his name on here because um, he is under persecution right now. Threat of being put in jail. Um, I mean, it's known all over India. This guy who we support as a church, um, he's, he's being looked for. So, we, you know, we can't even put the name of the, the mission on there. So just pray for him. Pray for our, our India mission partner. Brighten Their World in Ethiopia. It's an orphanage um, mission that we support in Ethiopia. Jason Laffin, we're going to see a video in just a second of Jason Laffin. And then um, Josh Jones is going to come up here and share a little bit about Chi Alpha. And then Stedman Hall is one of our homegrown missionaries as well. Uh, the Hunter and Shelley Hall, the Hall family um, here, one of their sons, Stedman. Um, he's in Cambodia right now with YWAM um, doing missions around the world. So these are just some of the missions partners that we are able to support around the world. Um, and man, I just hope that we as a church continue to grow in our awareness of and our just heart for the earth and the, 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 the kingdom that God is building. These people are doing that mission right now, and we have the opportunity to help send and support and even maybe go and join them in the cause. So here's what I want to do. Uh, let's watch um, Jason Laffin's video. This is Jason Laffin from Casas Por Cristo, and then we'll talk to Josh Jones in a second. Hey, Jason. So glad to have you from uh, El Paso, right? Yes, Hunter. I am here in El Paso working with Casas Por Cristo. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking some time to, to, to talk to me. Just want to highlight uh, the ministry and the, and the mission there. So uh, first off, why don't you tell us your role at the organization and how long you've been there? We've been doing this for 30 years. There's about 2 million people in the city of Juarez. Our ministry also operates in other locations. Uh, Ciudad Acuna, which is where mm -hmm. Eastridge just came and participated and built a house. And Guatemala, the Dominican Republic, uh, Honduras, and Nicaragua are all countries we have operations and serve in. And so I have um, I have been here for 20, almost 23 years, and my role is director of operations. And so when I'm not in the office, I'm out in the field, as we say, and we're building houses for families in one week's time from start to finish. So my day-to-day -day job, I like to say when the desk job gets boring, uh, it's time to go out and build and when the feet get tired from building, it's time to come in and, and work at the desk for a little bit. So, and so, like, what is it? What are the living conditions that people are are facing that don't have homes, like actual structural houses? So we experience the extremes of the weather because when you're in a desert um, region, it's really cold at night when the sun goes down, and then it warms up during the day, and that's for winter time. So it's common in January, February for us to have temperatures in the 20s and 30s at night. And during the summer, of course, as you would expect in a desert, we're well over 100 degrees during the day. And so if you could imagine just living in a, um, a pallet house, so the pallets at the grocery store are stacked up, nailed something onto them, or maybe they have an adobe building that's just blocks Maybe they've gotten some scrap materials, they've put something together, and then you are sleeping inside that shelter. So if it rains, maybe you don't get wet. If it's windy, maybe the wind's not quite as strong. But whatever the temperature is outside, that's what it is inside of your house when you have nothing to protect you from that. So, 
So what does it look like? How do people respond when you finally hand the keys over? Like what are people's responses like? And, and what does that process look like? The believers in their heart are overcome with emotions or they don't have words to express the thankfulness and the gratitude that they have. And they are all pointing it towards God and how he's providing for them. And they, it's almost unbelievable in their mind. Uh, for the unbeliever who we serve and the pastor is building a relationship with and, and hopefully sharing the gospel in that week or in the, the days following. But for them, it's kind of a disbelief because why would someone come do this for me? Like, why would these people who live in another country give their money and time to build for me and they don't know me? And so it's very emotional, deeply emotional for, for these families and Tears are almost always shed. When you build a house, you know, there's some hard days and some hot days and some cold days, depending on the year. But I think everyone agrees that the best day is the last day when we give that family the keys and, and turn the house over to them. So if someone wants to get involved with Casas Pro Cristo, what's what's the easiest way? Uh, maybe low commitment, and then what's the one of a big way they can get involved? So the the commitment you can do from your house and you can do on your schedule and on your time is to just pray for our ministry. And you may say, well, I don't know. How do I pray for you guys? Like, I don't, I, this is the first time I've ever heard about you guys. Well, what I would say is um, follow us on social media. And we, every week we're putting out prayer requests and things that are going on for that week or things that happened. Uh, the middle of the way is say kind of in the middle is of course the, the giving and then just engaging with what we have going on. Sometimes you don't have to come on a trip to help us get the mission accomplished that we're trying to do. And so that could look like sharing some of the posts we have or having a conversation with somebody about what you've heard. And then of course, you know, the biggest way to get involved is sign up for a trip. You don't have to have construction experience, although that's great if you do. You just got to have a heart and be willing to let God stretch you for a week as we come and do this together. Well, Jason, thank you so much for taking the time to share with us. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Hunter. Thank you, Eastridge, for your support. It means the world to me and my family, and you are the reason we can stay on this field. So thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. Yeah. Um, we good? Hey, raise your hand if you've been on a Casas trip with Jason. Anybody in here? Several of y'all. Yeah, those are awesome trips, man. Um, you know, we're hoping to continue keeping those going, getting some more going up uh, here in the future as well. Um, also right here is Mr. Josh Jones. Um, Josh's wife, Brittany, may be out here already. She's going to probably be here second service as well. Josh and Brittany serve with Chi Alpha at Georgia Southern, right? Um, and uh, jo I just wanted Josh, this is so crazy. Like we were talking on the phone a couple weeks ago and uh, Josh was like, man, I just happened to be in town on the 19th. Um, he didn't even know we were doing this. And I was like, you're kidding kidding me. He was like, no, I'm going to be there. I was like, dude, come up and just share. So I know maybe some of y'all don't know who he is or what they do. Um, so Josh, I just want you to share. Uh, man, I wish I could let you talk all day, but quickly as, as we can today. Uh, man, just share a little bit about what Chi Alpha is and um, just what God's doing right now through, through y'all's ministry. Yeah. Awesome. So Chi Alpha, uh, we get uh, the name Chi Alpha from 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verse 20. Uh, it's the kind of first two letters in the Greek alphabet of the words Christ ambassadors. And so Chi Alpha, think Christ ambassadors. We are a campus ministry wing um, on over 300 uh, different campus 
campuses, university campuses uh, throughout the states and then a couple throughout the world. And so um, I find it funny that we're put under global missions, um, but it's part of our, uh, our passion is to really, we believe if we reach the university campus, we can transform the university itself, the marketplace and the world from there. Um, we're, uh, Brittany and I, we're on campus at Georgia Southern in Statesboro, uh, and so some of you are probably very familiar with Georgia Southern, but we believe that we can reach students on campus uh, with the gospel that uh, they can go from there. The, um, today, they're learners. Tomorrow, they're going to be leaders. Uh, we have students in our ministry who are engineering majors, students who are film majors, students that are business uh every kind of uh, degree you could think of that you would get at Southern, we have those students and they're gonna go and be the leaders in their field. And then if we can reach them with the gospel uh, while they're at um, Georgia Southern, then we can uh, equip them to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples and kind of perpetuate this kingdom of God through the world uh, from there. And so, yeah, building the kingdom in, in southern Georgia, which is a different country. I don't know if y'all have been to South Georgia. Absolutely. Um, it's a different country. <laughs> um, real quick, just hey, if anybody in here was just thinking, man, I'd love to get involved with that ministry. How could I do that maybe today? What would you, what would you say to him? Yeah, I was thinking as he was doing uh, the two uh, or the three, the first easy way, again, pray. Um, we are on a university campus, though it comes with so many challenges. Mm-hmm. University campus is not open to the gospel, um, even in Statesboro, Georgia. And so um, pray for us. Um, if you think about us, write our name down, come get a prayer card from us. Um, our picture uh, is on it. You can pray for us every time you look at your fridge. And, um, and we're not a bad-looking family. And so <laughs> uh, you can do that. You can pray for us. The second thing is you can give. Um, university ministry, uh, we, uh, we spend all of our time with students. We actually just had a leaders retreat this past week, um, and students are with us, uh, are with me today. And so, uh, we spend all of our time. And so one of the things we do is we, we raise support to do our, our, ministry. And um, you guys give as a church when you give to Eastridge. Part of that goes towards the missionaries that Eastridge supports there. But we're also looking to add individual supporters. So if you and your family want to kind of start that conversation about what that looks like, come talk to us. And then I was thinking of maybe some practical ways. Um, We have a Chi Alpha house, a house that's about a mile off of campus. Mm -hmm. And the house itself needs a paint job really bad. And so we need hands, um, uh, people who can come and paint the house um, and help us out with that. All right. Man, thank you so much, Josh. Um, appreciate all y'all do. Seriously, on that unit. Like you said, that is a global mission opportunity um, to be on a university campus. That's incredible. So love you guys and appreciate y'all. Josh is going to be out in the atrium if you guys want to talk with Josh and Brittany out there. So, yeah. Um, all of our, 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 well, not all of them, but a lot of our missions partners, both local and global still, are, are out here in the atrium. Just want to encourage y'all um, to go, you know, talk with, talk with any of them. Um, also, the folks from Bread Oxford are out there as well. Another local college ministry that we have um, the ability to, to work with and serve with, okay? Um, okay, so here's what we're going to do now. I'm going to ask the ushers, if you're an usher, to go ahead and um, kind of get in place this morning, our ushers who are passing our baskets. Um, we're going to take up our offering like we do every single Sunday. Now, this is our, our just kind of normal tithes and offering here at Eastridge, um, the offering that goes towards just really the ministry we do um, on this campus. That's what this offering is for, um, and we're so thankful that you guys 
always have been a generous church and give. Um, now, after we take up this offering, I will send y'all out the doors. And like we've been doing the last few weeks, there are opportunities to give to our missions-specific offering. Um, you'll see buckets out in the atrium and along the hallway back here. You'll see QR codes that you can scan as well. Um, so I'm going to pray over this offering, our, our just normal tithes and offering offering right now. And um, y'all just pray with me, and we'll let the baskets come around, okay? God, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for being a good God who gives to us and, and calls us into your kingdom. Lord, use this money that we give today, our resources uh, that we give, God, to um, just further build your kingdom in this world. Lord, we thank you and praise you for all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, those baskets are coming around. Y'all can drop your Connect cards in there as well. Um, any prayer requests that you have, anything like that. Um, please do that. So um, actually, I'll tell you what, after the basket passes on by you, I want to encourage you, y'all can go ahead and head on out, okay? Head on out into the atrium. Go talk with some of those missions partners out there. Um, if you want to give, please give to our missions offering as well. We are $11,000 of, of $25,000. We're $11,000 still that we want to get to that $25,000 goal for our quarter for the missions offering, all right? So thank you guys. Y'all are awesome. Love y'all. Head on out. Y'all have a great Sunday.